one who woke up this morning and had the smell of breakfast waiting for you when your eyes opened and flower petals falling from the ceiling. You were still dreaming. So when you woke up, I'm glad you came to church. We're so thankful for you, moms. Um, we're going to take a week off of Romans, and we're going to go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel's in the Old Testament. The easiest thing to do is start at Genesis and just thumb your Bible. You'll hit Samuel pretty quickly after that, uh, a few books in. But we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2 today as we look at uh, one of the sweetest prayers offered by a young new mother in Scripture. Um, as we do that, on Father's Day, I, I double-booked my sermons when I was planning them out. and My family pointed out to me, you're going to preach two sermons that, way, that day. And as much as I know you would like to hear two sermons in a row, uh, we're not going to do that. And so we'll be in um, Samuel today for Mother's Day. And then uh, starting June 4th, I just would encourage you, if you can make it to church for three weeks to go, especially uh, if you are married, but if you're not married, even uh, importantly as well, we're going to be walking through the book of A Song of Solomon and looking at godly relationships and what it looks like to honor the Lord in that. Um, it's a super, super sweet thing. So I thought Song of Solomon, that probably gets some fathers to Father's Day church. On Father's Day, prayer will get moms here. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2 um, kind of get us ready for something. I want to read chapter 2 for you because it's just a prayer, 17 verses. <clears throat> but the backstory matters have you learned that 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 the backstory matters what's going on in, in your life and so when we appreciate moms i just thought what about mom's backstory and i didn't interview everybody and do around this but i did look up some studies on parenting and children because you know we become a mother because of children amen right that's how it happens again if you have a dog or a cat that's sweet and cute but it is not the same y'all and so um Moms, I did a little research, and I, I followed a study that lasted six years, and it stopped at six years probably because of depression on the team's part. Um, but I'll start with a stat for dads, because I don't want you to be left out on Mother's Day. When your child is born, when a child is born, um, dads, you lose an average of 13 minutes of sleep every night, and you don't recover it for six years. For six years, you lose an average of 13 minutes of sleep. Now, I just add, I want to make you feel, because you're not, you're not slacking off here. What that means is, over six years, that child costs you two months worth of eight-hour nights of sleep, right? That's like staying awake 10 days every year, 24 hours, and not going to bed. Like, Dad, I'm proud of you guys. Moms are like, suck it up, buttercup. Here it comes. <clears throat> Moms, on average, through this study, over a six-year period of time, a mom loses an hour of sleep every night. And here's hope on the horizon. The study ended at six years, and that doesn't change. Like, I'm so sorry. We need Jesus, y'all. So what does that look like? Well, it means that sweet little precious child who you love so much will be like you not sleeping for nine months straight over a six-year period. That's how much sleep those children cost you. Squeeze their cheeks this morning, Mom, kindly, if last night was one of those nights, right? That's 45 days a year 
it would be like staying up and doing all-nighters, 45 days a year. <laughs> and as a mom, you're like, and you're judging me for the way I treat my kid? Like, this is grace, y'all, you know. But the backstory matters in that because being a mom, it, it, it takes a lot and it takes a lot out of you. And, and God gives us ladies, you especially, like this incredible like short-term memory loss that allows you to want, say, let's do this again. And your husband's like, that sounds great. Running for cover, you know. But, but we have children and we know that they're a blessing. But that blessing, it comes at a price, y'all. It, it does. And I think sometimes we pretend that being a godly mother comes without a backstory. Like, like you just, like I go to church and I love Jesus and every day I wake up and I cook breakfast and birds fly in and they sing around me and they fly out and my children, you know. Listen, I think we need to wipe away the reality that we live in a sinful world. And sin has brought in a stain. It's stolen some innocence to every story that exists. And that includes that little blessed, sweet, selfish thing that you gave birth to, moms, right? Like, it just, it includes them. And it includes you. And it includes me. And that's why I like the story of Hannah and Elkanah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2. Because the backstory of a prayer that is so inspiring is amazing. If you have your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 2 is where we'll be. And I just want to read the whole thing because it's a beautiful prayer. But it means more when we know the backstory to it. It says this, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts, exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides his enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There's none holy like the Lord, for there's none besides you. There's no rock like our God. Talk no more very, so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken. The feeble bind, uh, the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. Those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren is born seven, and she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol. He raises up. The Lord makes poor. He makes rich. He brings low, and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from ash heap. He makes them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor for the pillars of the earth are the lord's and on them he set the world verse 9 he will guard the feet of his faithful ones but the wicked will be cut off in darkness for not by might shall a man prevail but the adversaries of the lord will be broken to pieces because against them he'll thunder in heaven the lord will judge the ends of the earth he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed I don't know about you, but that prayer sounds way different than a lot of times what we pray at night when we go to bed, right? A lot of times our prayers are simple and they're short and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but in this prayer, it's almost like we hear this prayer of a woman who is confident, who says, God, you have this. Whatever I come against, you've got this. 
Lord, when adversaries come, I don't have to worry because you thunder against them. Lord, I just exalt in you. You're amazing, God. And sometimes we can read this prayer like we read, we read a Facebook post, right? We don't know any of the backstory. We don't know what's going on. We just see this picture of this family that's wonderfully kept. Everybody's involved. A post that's been impeccably written. And sometimes we can read it and think, God, I don't even know if something like that ever exists for me. When we read a prayer like Hannah's prayer that says, God, my heart exalts in you and I lift you up and I'm confident in you. And sometimes I think we can believe, I wish I could have a faith like that, but that feels so far from reality. I don't even know how to get there. Have you ever felt that way before? Actually, Hannah had felt that way before. And that's why I like her story, because it's so real. God gives us the backstory, just like mom this morning for you. The reason we celebrate Mother's Day is because we know. We know the backstory. Every dad in this room, like we want to pretend that it's not 13 minutes in our house that we lose asleep. We want to pretend like I'm in there with you. But let's be honest, the baby cries and you're like, oh, I'm so glad. Are you awake? We, we know how hard it is to be a mom and how good it is to be a mom. And today I just want to encourage you with a story of an imperfect family who is just trying to pursue the Lord correctly and remind you that that's what we are here to do together. 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you have your Bible, we'll go verse 1 down through verse 3 as we get things started today. Uh, this is what the Bible says. And there is a certain man of Ramathiam Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, son of Ephraim. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name was, uh, from the other was Penea. And Penea and her had children, but Hannah had no children. And that now this man, Elkanah, used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Silo. And there were two sons, and where the two sons, Eli and Hophni of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, were priests to the Lord. Now I just want to start this off because this talks a whole lot about a situation. And, and, and let's be honest, I, I, I know customs and traditions and, and all that's going on, but Elkanah is a man and he wants to honor the Lord. And in his family, he has two wives. We don't know why he has two wives. We don't know how he had two wives, but here's what we do know. Men, if you have two wives, you are going to cause trouble. Amen? That is not a Mother's Day present, Right? This family that we see is this picture of Elkanah, and he has his, his two wives, and one wife has children, Pineah, and one wife is barren. And in this picture, we then hear the story that Elkanah tries and he leads his family year by year up from his city to worship the Lord and, and to sacrifice to the Lord. Here's what I want you to know. Hannah had a loving but imperfect husband. Amen? Anyone in this room have one of those? Yeah, I won't make you raise your hand on Mother's Day because we know the answer to that. He, he was imperfect. 
You're going to see in the story, he misses some of this issue between his wives. He missed that the multiple wives thing was going to play out poorly for him. You could ask Solomon later on in life and how much difficulty it caused for him when, when he walked into that. But in the midst of this imperfect family management, he tried to leave his, lead his family to worship. Man, I want you to know something. If there is anything you can give your wife for Mother's Day that is more important than any breakfast, than any flour, than any chocolate, than any house cleaning, is to recognize that you are imperfect and it is still your role to lead your family to the throne of Jesus Christ and to the Lord. Like if you want to give them something, stop making excuses that you're imperfect. We got it. We know it. But lead them to worship. Wonderful friend of mine. Wonderful man of God. Had lunch with him one day. He just said, my family won't follow me. And I said, oh my gosh, what do you mean? They were so involved with sports and school. And I said, you are involved in this sport six days a week, it seems like. And every day, they are there with you exactly where you are. Maybe you're putting most of your leadership effort in this direction. And on the side burner, you try to lead them to Jesus. But they know where your heart is. Guys, this morning for Mother's Day, confess where your heart is. Confess that reality of your life. Are you leading imperfectly your family and your wife to the throne of Jesus over and over and over? Or do you just do it when you have to? Are you carrying your burden? You want to make Mother's Day sweet? Guys, we have to carry the burden God has given us instead of saying to our wives, Happy Mother's Day. Would you take on some of my responsibility too? Amen? Guys, are you with me? Come on. Elkanah was an imperfect man trying to lead his family to worship. Paul would say it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 or 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Give yourself up for her because he gave himself up for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy. That means set apart, without blemish. I think Elkna, on the other side of the cross, imperfect as he was, I think he was trying to do that. Men, I want to encourage you. Present your wives to the Lord day in and day out because she needs that rock for the challenges she will face. Verse 4, look in your Bible with me. 
verse 4 through 8 says this. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and all of her sons and daughters. And he times it uses all of her sons and daughters. I mean, we're talking, this was children of the blessing, and especially in the Old Testament, we see this is a big deal. You Having a huge family, it, it's becoming in again, which is fantastic. But when he says all of her sons and daughters, it wasn't like two. It wasn't like two boys and just like a lot of children. That was that's meant to show she has lots of kids. And the contrast here, verse 5, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. And, and, and her rival used to provoke her grievously and irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went on year by year. And as often as she went to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. And therefore, went, Hannah wept and would not eat. I mean, look at the picture. Elkanah saw that Hannah was hurting, and he, and he gave her a double portion. He wanted her to know that she was loved. And here's what I want you to know. The gift he gave to her was not just that, but said that he loved her even though his womb was closed. In other words, what that culture saw as shameful he said, look at me. I love you desperately because God has given me to you, not because of what you can do for me. Men, when you present your wife holy and blameless to the Lord, does she know that you love her for who she is? And that your work is to make her see the splendor, that sanctifying work that God is doing in her in and out of season. Or are you just seeing sometimes things as a burden? This is the environment Hannah grew up in. Her husband is trying, and he has a wife who she can't get away from. And her wife provokes her and taunts her. In verse 7, year after year, she went on to the house of the Lord. She used to provoke her, and therefore she wept and would not eat. There's two things going on in here. And moms, now we're talking directly to you. Dads, you're off for just a moment. First, we see personal shame. Hannah has a personal shame that she is dealing with because she has no children. Something she can't control. It's not sin in her life. If you have shame over sin, repent, let the Lord redeem you. But this is just the brokenness. This is just this a faulty thing going on. Her body, she's not in control of it, but she's carrying that shame with her. And on top of that, she has people in her life, a person in her life that provokes her all of the time and rubs her shame in her face. Y'all, women, y'all can be mean. Right? Happy Mother's Day. Right? It just... It's amazing how this happens. How it seems like there's always people in our life that are unhealthy friendships. That they, they like to say things on Facebook or Instagram or if you say things on TikTok, that's where they say it, right? I don't know. There's some people in church. There's some people who send out the birthday cards to everybody, but you don't get one because you don't have a child or you don't have a child their age. Or maybe they invite you and you're like, oh, I don't want to go because I know this is going to surround me. They're going to attack me when I'm there and tell me all the things I don't do appropriately or I don't do well enough. They remind me all the time of the things I could be doing. It's like that mean soccer mom you can't get away from because your kids are the same age. 
My wife knows that. Man, our kids are amazing and they are wonderful and our church has loved them well. I'm so thankful they have been raised in this place. But listen, there have been many times in our life and many people in their life who have just felt like God has given them a mission in a spirit of humility to remind our children how broken they are. Like, oh, the Spirit just wants to let you know this. And listen, as a pastor, you don't get away from it. As a pastor's wife, you don't get away from it. It's just like being a soccer mom. We're in this together. There seems like there are just times and there are just people who they provoke you women and you can't get away from them because you're the room mom and you're living for Jesus and you're playing by the rules of the Lord and they are not and it just seems like an attack again and again and again and again and here's the amazing things it, it's almost like they put their finger like they know just enough about the shame you carry in your life, like they know just enough about the struggles you have on the inside that they just know how to remind you. And although you know it's evil, you know it's wrong, you know it's a sin against God, it still feels authentic and it hurts. Have you been there, Mom? Because that's where Hannah is. She's reminded of her shame. She's reminded of that sting. And she knows the source is evil and sinful. But she wept and would not eat because there was something in her that was hurting, was broken. I think Rahab probably carried the same pain. A prostitute willing to risk her life for the spies to let her escape Jericho. I think Joseph had that shame and pain when he wasn't sure if he was going to divorce Mary or stay her husband. Sarai shared that pain when she laughed at the angels. Hosea married to a prostitute. I think he shared that pain and I think people just Mom, let me talk to you for just a moment. And I've studied these statistics and I keep watching them year after year. It says surveys and studies show that somewhere between 69 and 94% of moms carry what's called mom guilt. Like you know you're not perfect and every time something happens or something falls or you miss something, that guilt reminds you of that. One survey showed that 57% of moms experience that battle every day of their life. If you've been there, mom, I want you to listen to Hannah. I, I know that sin has taken away innocence. I know that you have, have fallen. I, I look back on our kids and as they're leaving the home and we're becoming empty nesters, all the things I wish I would have known then that I knew now, all the things I wish I could have a do-over to. And the enemy, he reminds you and he reminds you through people and he pushes it in and you kind of have to say, God, how can I escape? Like we talked about last week, who will rescue me? Who will rescue me? 
I want you to know you can go to the same place that Hannah did. Except for you get to go more closely. Because we live on this side of the cross. Hebrews says that Jesus carried our shame and sin to the cross and it was crucified. Paul reminds us that what he crucified has been dead and you have been raised anew. The shame that you are wrestling with, unless you are actively sinning, I want you to hear this, the shame that you wrestle with about not being good enough, the shame that you might wrestle with about not being able to, the shame that you find yourself in, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation that has been nailed to the cross. And all the way to the cross, Jesus showed, I will take away your shame so that your eyes can be opened to more. To the blind man, he opened his eyes and he took away his shame. To the woman with an issue of blood, he healed her and took away her shame. To the woman who groveled at his feet at the table, he took away her shame. All of those were just taste of what he would do on the cross. So I want you to hear right here and right now, the woman who wrote the prayer, who spoke the prayer of 1 Samuel chapter 2 has been where you are and has tasted the redemption and the life and the hope that only God can give. And what I love about this passage is her husband could not remove it. Men, you and I cannot be the anchor and cannot be the rock. Bless our hearts as much as we want to. Because God didn't make you that way. I love verse 8. This sounds like a great husband verse. <laughs> I love it. And Elkin, when she's crying and not eating, said, Why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Bless your heart. <laughs> Man, if he lived in the South, that'd have been a hard day for him. No. God has made us one, but he makes us complete. And so it may not be about children, it may about be about something else, but men, don't lead your wife to you. You hold her hand. And you lead her to Jesus. Don't point her to Jesus. Don't tell her she's allowed to go to Jesus. You walk her. And you kneel with her. The other thing I want you to know is this. It didn't stop there. Look at verse 9. After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose, and now Eli the priest was on the seat behind the doorpost of the temple, and she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed just look on the affliction of your servant, remember me and not forget your servant. But we'll give you, but we'll give to your servant a son. Then I'll bring him up in the Lord all of his days of his life, and no razor will touch his head. And she continued praying before the Lord, and Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, or her voice wasn't heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. 
And he said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put away your wine from you. And she answered, No, my Lord, I'm a woman in troubled spirit. I haven't drunk wine or strong drink. I've just been pouring out my soul before the Lord. And there's nothing like being in the lowest point possible and the preacher to come up and totally misjudge you and make you feel worse. Amen? Bless your heart. You're a life group leader. No minister on staff. No preacher, no priest, no padre is your rock. Because we are broken just like you. And God is working on us just like you. I can't even imagine. Here she is bawling before the Lord and her priest says, stop being drunk, get out of here. It's like, oh my gosh. What did she do? Forget the priest, forget Elkanah. I am pouring out my soul before the Lord. How do we deal moms with the stresses and the joys and the difficulties and the victories of life? We put your trust in the living God. I mean, I, I know there are plenty of people, bless their hearts, that want to be the advice queens in your life on how to be a better mom. There are many people who want to be your rock. There are plenty of clubs to be a part of. But what Hannah does is what we should do. You should put your trust in the Lord. My wife's favorite verse is Exodus 14, 14. It was that way before she was a mom, but after she became a mom, it made sense to me. The Lord will fight for you. Just be still. Just be, just put your trust in him. You keep coming before him. Be still. Psalms 38, 15 says, I put my hope in you. Psalm 46, 1 says, you are my ever-present help in time of need. Ladies, mom, on Mother's Day, let me tell you, whether you sit here alone, whether you sit here with family, whether you hold the hand of your husband, if you want to taste and see how good the Lord is, put your trust in him and don't stop putting your trust in him until you taste his goodness it may be one day it may be a thousand days from now remember verse 7 1 Samuel chapter 1 and so it went year after year after year this was not a one time prayer not a quick fix this isn't a 30 minute sitcom or a Facebook post this was a season of her life and she trusted God and she trusted God. In her pain, she trusted God. In her, in her life, she trusted God. In her love, she trusted God. Mm. Verse 16. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along, I've been speaking out of great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you a petition that you have made to him. That was his way of saying, I am so sorry. And he said, let your servant find favor in her, your eyes. The woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Stop. Hannah will have a child. Hannah will have a son. The pregnancy was not what changed her joy. 
believing that the Lord's promise was certain. That's when it happened. A lot of times we make a deal with God. If you'll just provide, then I'll provide. I'll give it back to you. Don't do that. Put your trust in the Lord. Her face was no longer sad because she trusted in God's word for her. Verse 19, they rose early in the morning and what did they do? They worshiped before the Lord and they went to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew his wife and the Lord remembered and in due time, it doesn't say immediately, it doesn't say the next day, remember, in due time means in the Lord's timing, somewhere between her face stopped being sad and trusting God. It doesn't say that Paneha stopped bothering her. It doesn't say life got easier, but she was anchored to the Lord. And in due time, guess what happened? The Lord was faithful because that is who he is. She conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel for I'd asked him for the Lord. Her husband couldn't help her. Her preacher couldn't save her. Her children were fleeting. And her friends fueled her shame. But the Lord did not let her down. And this is the woman who wrote these words. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like you. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Let me put that in our terms. What she says is this. My spirit knows joy because of the Lord. My strength has returned to me because of the Lord. And my words will not be silent because of the, the Lord. He is good. He is my unshakable rock. Not a husband, not a child, not a friend, but the Lord. This morning, moms and dads, that's our invitation. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper... On this Mother's Day, I want you to know that you are a child of the Lord. If you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have a way to approach him, that you can put your trust in him. You can be faithful to him because he is faithful to you. Listen, 22 years in a month or so, we've gotten to walk the road of parents. We've had season where we wondered if our children would endure the attacks. We'd had, had moments where regret had, had, had stifled us as parents. We had had seasons where, where we thought, Lord, if you can let this last, it's so sweet to be in this peace. But let me tell you, Every season changed. But the Lord God has always been consistent. So moms, happy Mother's Day. All of this burden doesn't rest on your shoulders. That shame, that pressure. God has said, come to me. Ye who are weary and tired, nine months of sleep, y'all, and heavy laden, I've got you.
I've got you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love your word. We love your grace. We so thank you for moms. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that they would find themselves trusting in you. I know it's hard, and that's why we need each other to encourage us not to make a husband a rock or a, or a sport a rock or a, an activity a rock or a, 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 a recital a rock, but to make you our rock. I mean, Hannah prays it, Lord. You are my rock. There's none like you. So, Lord, be the rock that families are built upon in this place. Be the rock that husbands hold their hands, the hands of their wife, and, and stake their anchor into day in and day out. Be the rock that reminds every mother who is and everyone who has that call on their heart. Be the rock that says, I have Father God, if they have never put their stake in you, Lord, first would you rescue them. Hannah rejoiced in the God of her salvation. So Lord, if there's a man or woman, boy or girl, who does not have a way to rejoice because you have not been their salvation yet, in this moment, right here, right now, Lord, would you let them pour their soul out to you? emptying themselves, confessing their sin, confessing their shame, confessing their struggles, mm. and asking you to be their everything, King and Lord, Savior and God, so that they may know your strength, the rock of ages. In 